Hi, and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. My name is Laura Boyle, and I'm your host. Uh, This is Season 3, Episode 9, Practical Solutions to Jealousy, Envy, and Fear of Missing Out. Before we get into today's topic, I just want to do our usual sort of housekeeping uh, and introductory things. As always, you can find our blog at readyforpolyamory.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash groups slash readyforpolyamory. And if you want to support us, we either have monthly support options at different tiers with different exclusive materials at patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory. And I want to thank all of our awesome patrons who keep the lights on here, who, as of right now, are Corwin, Jacqueline, Timmy, and the Green Wolf Podcast. Um, And if you prefer to give us a one-time tip because you particularly like an episode of the podcast or a post on the blog, we have a Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash ready for polyamory. You can also always follow us on Twitter uh, or Instagram. You can find the links to those in the show notes. So let's get into today's episode, which, as I was saying, is about sort of concrete and practical steps you can take for dealing with jealousy or envy or fear of missing out. And we've talked a lot, both on the blog and on this podcast, about kind of what is jealousy. So I'm not going to go too deeply into defining that, but essentially... Jealousy is this kind of secondary emotion. It's a, like, check engine light for a lot of other negative feelings. It can be for sort of your own um, fears or uh, kind of anger or uh, enviousness or fear of missing out kind of manifesting itself as this big generic emotion that we as a culture call jealousy, right? And so when I say fear in a more general way, I mean uh, fear within your relationship of losing someone or something or some aspect of your relationship. So basically in uh, the kind of long term to deal with jealousy you have to kind of hopefully try to deal with your jealousy to feel it less. You have to sit with your jealousy and view it to figure out what's underneath. Is it a you thing? A thing that you can in some way control or deal with? And those are the things we're going to be talking about today. So is it one of those envy issues, those FOMO issues, right? Uh, Is it a relationship thing? Is it not feeling supported or double standards in your relationship that you and your partner can address together? Or is it a partner thing? That's often, I don't want to say rarer necessarily, but... Often when it's a partner thing, people don't describe the feeling as jealousy so much as as anger. Um, 
but some people have sort of negative monocentric conditioning to like want their partners to want to be jealous of them. And so then they act in ways that they know will push your buttons to quote unquote, make you be jealous. So then you have these experiences in your relationships. So we're here today to sort of talk about the first part of that, the things that you can actually control about your jealousy, right? So the first step to that is figuring out, is it more of a fear of missing out or envy or a kind of anger or fear of losing someone kind of emotion? Because sometimes our initial jealous rush is a mix of those two. So it takes a minute to figure out which one is really bothering you the most and which one you can do something about now. Which one can you do something about in the moment that you're feeling it, right? Because sometimes you're having this feeling when you hear of a future plan that's going to happen. And so it's easier to deal with ahead of time with your partner's help. And sometimes you're having this feeling while your partner is out with someone already, and then you're realizing that you're having this feeling. And so it's a whole different set of strategies or a whole different sort of ball game, depending on which of these sets of underlying emotions it is that's underneath your jealousy, right? So let's look at this, sort of what you can do if you're feeling jealous before your partner has gone to do some activity that's giving you this kind of wibbly, jealous feeling. So first off, ask for reassurance if you need it. It's better to admit that you're not feeling so hot about a situation and get the reassurance than to pretend that you aren't upset until they're out or until they've come back. Because blindsiding someone, either when they're out or when they've just come back from something that they had a good time doing or that they're trying to have a good time doing, is generally not a nice way to behave. And like, we can we can't control our feelings but we can control our behavior so remembering that in how we ask for support in general is important because our partners generally want to help us right so if we ask for reassurance it's not being wimpy or being needy or requiring too much of our partners It's asking for what we need, and usually our partners are happy to give it. So next, you set yourself up for success with whatever strategies you might use for avoiding envy or fear of missing out later. So like, make plans with friends or a partner for while your partner is going to be doing whatever this activity that's making you feel a little jealous or bad is or get supplies for a nice night in or check that your unexpected fields box which we're going to talk about in a minute it's a strategy that I like to use uh, is stocked and 
if you're feeling anger or fear, try to express that using techniques of sort of nonviolent communication. Use I statements. Remember that, like we were saying, you can't control your emotions, but you can control your actions. If it's something that your partner is sensitive about or that is a point of contention between you in some other way already, your partner might get defensive, but more often than not, they're going to want to help you. And there's a post that I'm going to link to in the show notes that I wrote that's basically about the fact that vulnerability with your partners is sometimes really scary because it's just sort of not fun to admit that we're having bad feelings about things. But usually people are happy to help us when they love us, right? Or even just when they like us if we're not at the point of saying that we love someone yet, right? Um, But just admitting that you really, you don't know exactly where you're at yet, but you're having these negative kind of angry feelings about it and you're trying to figure out exactly where they come from. But here's what you know so far. You don't need them to change what they're doing, but this is where you're at is good, right? It's better to put it in the open than to leave it festering, right? Like sunlight is the best disinfectant which I know is one of those, like, trite sayings, but it's true. And if the reason that you're having your fears or anger is related to trauma or is related to whatever your partner doing be a trigger for previous trauma of yours, let your partner know and, if possible, seek a therapist's assistance. Like, it's hard to do that stuff by yourself and sometimes expecting our partners to do the work of partners and professionals at the same time just isn't realistic um I don't have a better point than that to make there I wish I did I have a link to some search engines for polyamory aware therapists Um, that I'm going to throw in the show notes there. Uh, I don't, unfortunately, know exactly how good it is for finding people who are aware of both sort of polyamory and trauma-informed therapy modalities, but, like, there have to be some out there. So then we move on to, like, things you can do during the activity that's causing you the negative emotion. So... There are sort of anti-FOMO distraction techniques. I really like the idea of making things fun. That's what I generally do when I'm feeling bad about missing out on something. Um, So if I can't go out myself to something independent of what they're doing, I make whatever I'm home being responsible for as fun as I can. If I'm home watching the kids, I put on my favorite childhood movies with them. Or I make us my favorite food. Or I do fun self-care things after the kids go to bed. You can also 
if you're doing something like taking care of the kids or the pets so that your partners can get away for an extended period of time or whatever it is, kind of reframe the situation for yourself instead of, oh, darn it, I have to miss this and the partners get to go. You can make it, I'm making it possible for my partners to do this. Like reframe it as an act of service and an act of love and just make it a positive thing to the degree that you can. And I understand that that sort of semantic change can be kind of meaningless in the moment for some people. But if you make that flip enough times, eventually your brain makes the flip as well. That kind of word reframing is the basis of some behavioral therapies, right? Like this idea of we can reframe ideas for ourselves and in so doing give ourselves new ways of viewing the world. We can change for ourselves the way we view these times when we're the ones who are the ones at home. It can be, I have this time to take care of myself at home instead of, I'm stuck at home. Like, home doesn't have to be a place where you're stuck. Your own company can be good company. And that last bit is something that I personally struggle with. Like, I'm not great at enjoying my own company, which is why I have the next strategy as something that a therapist suggested to me that I've really taken advantage of a lot over the years. Um, it's the unexpected feelings box or the jealousy box, depending. It's changed names a bunch during the years, but like, it's a literal box. And years ago, when I first started using them, it used to hold literal DVDs of comforting movies. Um, so you can tell that it wasn't that that many years ago because it wasn't VHS tapes. But that it was some years ago because movies were still physical. Now it's got a comfort movie list of what the movies are and where they're currently streaming. A comfort reread book. A journal with guided activities that I like. I like the Jealousy Workbook. I'm on my second copy. But if it's like triggering or difficult to focus on jealousy when that's what you're feeling bad about, you can have a different one. I like the idea of it being guided because if I let myself sit in my own stewing when I'm feeling bad... I don't like the places I go, but if you're somebody who feels better just by writing out what it is you're thinking, a blank notebook to get out all the thoughts that you're having and then be able to sit and feel better is perfectly good as an idea. Something inspiring for a hobby that you don't get to do that often. I knit so I keep like a skein of yarn in a pattern usually for socks, because 
I used to be like a really compulsive sock knitter. I'd always have a pair of socks in progress uh, in my purse and like I'd knit in line at the bank and I was, I was that person, right? I would knit on public transit. I lived in a city at the time and like that was my identity. But like in recent years, I haven't had as much time to do it and I sort of miss and regret not having as much time for it as I used to. And so it feels really nice to, on a day or a night where I'm not feeling as good about things, to be reminded that like, oh, I can do this thing that I'm really good at and start creating a thing where I'm building something stitch by stitch and like sitting here while I'm maybe starting out not feeling that great, but by the end of it, I've put on a funny movie that I really enjoy. Like, Clue is always on my comfort movie list. So, like, let's say I put on Clue, and at the end of Clue, I've got, like, a couple good inches of a pretty sock, like, really well started, with, like, a nice lace pattern going. That's pretty good. Like, I'm accomplished by the time this is done. So I feel a little better about the world and my own company seems a little more valid than it did when I started out not liking the idea of spending an evening with myself. Uh, and my box used to also include the sort of self-care stereotypes of candles, bath bombs, hair and skin care stuff. Sometimes when I was younger, I used to include a bottle of wine. Um, but I don't really drink outside of group settings anymore. And also intoxicating substances, if you don't feel great about a situation, aren't always a great choice. Um, so sort of use your own judgment about yourself and how you deal with that and whether that's a good idea for you before you put something like that in. And really think about what makes sense for you. Those are the things that make sense for me. But the sort of general categories of something that's related to a hobby that you don't get to do that often but you wish you had more time for, and something that makes you feel like you're cared for are the sort of categories you want to hit. And so then we get to the... So those are the, like, big anti-FOMO things because when you feel like you've missed out and you've had like a blah night and they've had a great night, you sort of have to create a good night for yourself. If what it is that you're feeling is more fear that you're going to lose something or like anger that somebody else is getting something that you're not or anger that someone is taking something from you that you should rightfully have, what do you do to deal with that? And honestly... While they're out, there's less that you can do about it because that takes more communication with your partner about the state of your relationship to calm that feeling. And the thing that you sort of ethically can't do is, like, bomb their night communicating with them. So that same kind of box as a distraction technique is really helpful because it quiets your mind down some, and a journal, especially a guided journal, 
might be really helpful for sort of focusing you on what is good about your relationship and where the positives of your relationship are really at such that you can keep yourself in a good place um, until you're able to have those conversations. And the idea of sort of feeling your feelings and being able to have them and then being able to let them go is really important. And as part of sort of feeling your feelings and letting them go, determining what you do fear, like what is the fear of or what are you angry about? Is it about what they're out doing or about some underlying issue in the relationship that hasn't been addressed but that's been ongoing so that you can have a proper check-in with your partner and so that you can actively address it with them. Most FOMO and envy will become sort of shorter in duration or easier to remember how to treat over time. Fear and anger are, like I was saying, more often signs of like systemic or relationship issues of something where we need to figure out what it is that we're actually fearing and we need to figure out whether it's an issue that we need to address or if it's a fear where we just need to see that the fear isn't going to come true several times in a row and then the fear will dissipate. With the sort of fear of missing out, it's often... Either that we get better used to enjoying our own company, or that we get better at managing it quicker, at remembering, oh, this is where I pick up these things to fix it. Basically, no matter what, you end up having to talk with your partner after the fact And if it's just this kind of fear of missing out sort of situation, the conversation becomes, oh yeah, I like felt a little bit bad about not getting to go, but I did this and that and then I felt fine after a while. The first couple of times it's more of a conversation and it gradually subsides to that. The conversations about the fear and anger issues, if they don't end up being fears that are sort of driven away by seeing that they don't come true, end up being real systemic problems that need to be addressed. And those are things that are oddly specific to each relationship that I can't really cover in one episode of a podcast, right? But having those conversations with your partner are the after the activity practical how to address it. You basically afterwards let your partner know that you were jealous and how it was that you felt and 
what it was that you tried to do to help yourself deal with it and whether or not you need some reassurance and what kind of reassurance you think will help if you know. And most partners will want to help. Like, they love you, they care, they want to know what's going on with you. That said, like, don't jump on someone the second they walk in the door from a date. Like, if they're walking in still whistling gleefully, it's probably not the second to, like, jump on them sobbing, right? The notion of you can't control your emotions, but you can control your actions really does continue to apply because unless you're having such a level of breakdown from something that you really could not do anything else at all and nothing you could think of doing would move you out of this state into a calmer state without their assistance, you probably should try to use some kind of technique for calming yourself in terms of breathing, in terms of journaling in terms of something to work out some of your feelings a little bit before descending on your partner to begin the process of talking about your feelings about a particular issue, activity, or outing that's causing you some jealousy. But at the same time, I think most people know that and are employing that anyway if they're looking to figure out how to lessen the amount of jealousy they're experiencing and to find practical skills to work on their jealousy anyway, right? So the long and short of it is that just like anything else, these practical applications are a matter of people's personal preference. Everything is something where you take a framework and you pop in the parts that work for you. You look at which parts of it apply to you. Is more of your jealousy about envy of the activities that people are doing and the fact that they're out and you're not at a given time? Or is more of it about like fear of losing a relationship or fear of losing how special your relationship with someone is or anger at the fact that someone else now has a similar relationship to yours or something like this and what does that mean to you and then use that basis to sort of break down further what you need in terms of communication and in terms of in-the-moment distraction while activities are going on so that you can continue communicating 
before and after activities in a productive way, right? Because since we can't control our emotions, but we can control our actions, most of what we're going to be doing is trying to have productive communication with our partners around activities so they understand where we're coming from and trying to soothe ourselves during activities that might make us somewhat uncomfortable or where we might feel sort of bored and like our own company isn't good enough or what have we, right? I hope that some of these strategies are kind of helpful to you. Um, I hope that you guys use some of them. I know that I've had some variation on a box for unpleasant feelings uh, for over 10 years now, and that while the contents have changed, uh, the idea has been useful to me for a really long time. So I hope it's useful to you too. Um, and in general, I hope that some of this is just good <laughs> for somebody. As always, you can find related posts and links that I've mentioned throughout the episode in the show notes. The blog is at www.readyforpolyamory.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash ready for polyamory. You can find me on Twitter at lauracb88 and on Instagram at ready for polyamory. If you liked this episode and want to leave me a tip, my Ko-Fi is at ko-fi.com slash ready for polyamory. If you want to support us monthly, the Patreon is at patreon.com slash ready for polyamory. And our wonderful intro and outro music is provided by the talented Vince Conaway, who you can find at vinceconaway.com. Have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.